on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. That whole change in my approach has created 100% success because once people organize for that few hours, they're like, I can do this. Oh, this is not as bad as I thought it was. And so I realized that it's, it's, it's the doing. The doing is where you get the satisfaction. The talking, too much talking. For this, for this, talking is great, but too much talking for this is not good. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got a queen on the stage, Tina O'Keefe. Tina, welcome to the King stage. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, well, we are excited to have you here. And as I was just telling you before I hit the recording button, I always say this when I have a queen on the stage, but king doesn't mean masculine. It means mindset. So I'm so excited. I always get excited to talk to the lady, lady bosses out there being raised by a single mom family. Me, my mom, my grandma, my aunt, my my sister, our cats and dogs were all female. Like, you know, I have mad respect <laughs> for uh, for the female leaders out there. And so I'm excited for this conversation. Tina, tell us what kind of business that you have. I'm a professional organizer. So I have a business that focuses on a lot of different services around organizing, but main focus is decluttering and obviously making people's lives better, smoother, more peaceful. Yeah. yeah. I think what you find joy in the rest of us get like <laughs> claustrophobic about, right? <laughs> of course. Yeah, absolutely. My, my nine-year-old daughter, she, she switched chores with my six-year-old daughter because the chore that was given to my six-year-old was organizing the pantry. And my nine-year-old was like, Whoa, no, no, no. Can I have that one? <laughs> Cause she loves it. Maybe yep. she's a Maybe she's an organizer in the future. You never yeah, know. I mean, people always ask me how long I've been organizing. And so there's different, you know, how long have you been in business is very different than how long have you been organizing? That's I've been right. organizing my whole life. And then I just finally figured out that I could I could make it into a business model. Yeah. Well, it's your superpower, obviously. And and like you said, now you can make it into something that you love to do and and serve a bunch of other people doing it, obviously, at an incredible scale. <clears throat> Tina, my first question to each one of my guests is always the same. And I want to know at this stage in the game, you've obviously been successful enough to where, you know, like you've, you've breached the the top percentage, right? Like people look at you here today and think, wow, she's made it. She's done it. And I want to know, why are you still at it? Why are you still doing it? Even at this stage, what's in it for you? What's your bigger picture? Well, I, I think it evolved a little bit from my previous career, which I, I was a writer and, and all of my working life up until I was an organizer. And I was always trying to, especially when I worked for big corporations as a consultant, I was always trying to figure out like, where can I do good here? So I used yeah. to justify it by saying that when I was writing and then I volunteered my time, you know, I was able to volunteer my time 
as a copywriter for like a few different like nonprofits that, you know, you assist with grant writing and things like that. Yeah. And I would say like, okay, well, my day job is facilitating me to organize, I mean, to volunteer, to do something for the greater good. And so that's the trade-off here that I have to kind of suck it up during the day. And so with organizing now, I finally figured out at first I started it because I got pleasure from it. Like it was, it's fun. It's satisfying to me to go in and help people and see that result. And so it was a little bit selfish. It's like, I like doing this and I know you need help with this. So let's just do it. And then it's a win-win for both of us. Then it's become the business has evolved in which I finally figured out that what I'm doing is I'm a broker between people who want to get rid of their stuff and, and, and organizations and charities that might need these things and people on a, when they're stressed out and emotional, it's hard for them to, to see those outlets. And so I created a network where I can make those connections a little bit easier. It's, it's not always perfect, but I try to donate almost all the things that I clean out of someone's home. So then that way it it, it makes the person feel even better about the process and then feel like I'm doing good. And so that that and that's kind of evolved over the past few years and now i feel like that's what really like that i love that part of it now you know yeah. really trying to and then and that's the thing that my clients who are hiring me they like to hear that like when they're trying to debate about there's a million you know organizers there's fantastically talented people doing this so i always say there's enough mess for everybody so we're all good here there's, so there's, there's plenty out there but but i do feel like that's something that the light bulb goes off when i tell people about the donation part of it and i'm like i'll, I'll try to find a home for every single thing i take out of here and, and they're like wow that means a lot to me personally or especially when i'm working with someone i'm doing a clean out of a home where someone has already passed a lot of people feel like that's a real a tribute to the the legacy of the person who's gone like oh my mom would have really have liked that a lot so. yeah 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 i mean i think at the end of the day a mess is created by you know first world problems we have too much you know yeah. and so if there's that there's that hard reality where we go to our closet we realize i haven't worn that in however long and and i need to declutter it i know i need to i know i need to I need to get rid of it, but taking it off the hanger and putting it in the pile to go to wherever is one step. And then taking it to the, the place is another step. And, and that's obviously just, just a shirt or something and not, not, not a huge garage that might be a mess or whatever. So there's a, there's a big weight in front of people and that's what keeps them in the mess. And not only do you get rid of the weight, but then you're associating those things to where they really want them to go anyway. Right. But every time you think about like getting rid of a something in your garage or in something in your closet, you think, oh, I should donate this. Like naturally, this is what I do. But you're you're really bridging the gap there for the end end result. How did you? How I mean, obviously that kind of like came about probably somewhat naturally. But what what was the connection for you a couple of years ago that you just mentioned? Like how did that begin? Well, part of it is like again, it starts out for reasons that are of necessity. It starts out as a necessity. Um, right. I'm going in to people's homes. I work with a lot of seniors. So I just want to stipulate that I work with people from all backgrounds, but I do work with a lot of seniors. And so a lot of times, especially in the beginning, it's just, it's a one-on-one. And the reason why is because there's a lack of trust. If you bring in a team of people, people feel overwhelmed, you know, not just seniors, but people who are anxious about organizing will feel overwhelmed. If you bring in a team of people who start, who spread out in your home and start messing around with your stuff you get real, yeah. like, what are they doing in that other room kind of scenario? So a lot of times it is yeah. just like one-on-one. So, and then, you know, you, you start set, setting aside items for donation or things that are going to be given away. And then 
it's just efficient where I happen to live, like where I work mostly, which is the New York City tri-state area. There are so many charities that will come and pick up items, clothing items, household items, they will come. And so it becomes an efficiency to say, I'm going to clean out, make piles, we're going to bag it up, and then I'm going to set up an appointment and have this charity come and pick this up. And it just is more, it was, it's smooth. And so that's kind of how it starts. It starts because it's like, well, it's, it's actually this, it makes my life easier. Oh yeah. And and I feel, and I feel like it's going to a place that, you know, uncharities all have different uh, structures of how they, what they do with their stuff. If they're selling it for thrift to make money, or if they're actually giving it to people who need it, there's all different models, but either way, like it's, it's help, it's benefiting someone. And so that's how it begins. But then you have items that like, they won't take. And so then you, then you're like, well, let me research, you know, this item, like, like wigs, you know, someone passes away, they've, they've had wigs because they were sick and, uh, you know, well, where can we send that? And where can we send eyeglasses? And then you start to like develop this list of like all these kind of oddball things that aren't typical donation items, but you're like, but there's still a place that you can send them or, or drop them. So then, and then I start gathering and then I start dropping them off to these locations. And, and that's kind of how it, it, that's the beginning of it. So it's organic and then it flows into kind of like systematic. Yeah. These are business systems now. (laughs) Right. Exactly. I I love what you said about, you know, um, it's one-on-one or at least at the beginning, because you're keenly aware, obviously of what the emotional state is of someone who's either wanting to organize or someone maybe who's dealing with a, a house that's full of stuff from generations or maybe someone's past. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of connection there with that we have with our stuff, even though we maybe know that we don't need it or want it. How have you like psychologically grown the business in that way? Because that, I think for a lot of listeners, they, they get stuck in that one-to-one, whatever they're doing, whether they're servicing clients online or whether they're, you know, a contractor or whatever, they stay in that very small place which keeps their business small which then doesn't allow for systems and doesn't allow for really any sort of growth in this market where literally you're kind of almost forced to stay small but yet you haven't how, how have you gotten around it, it you pick and choose the projects that are appropriate for it so and then and also it's like a, you you build up that that trust a little bit and then you can and then you can grow there you know then you have an opportunity to say okay like for efficiency you know let's bring in a few more people and let's Right. get this done quicker, which will make you feel better. And we're not going to drag this out as much. So right. you, you have certain scenarios where it makes sense to, to do it, to be, yeah. to be in a team and be more efficient. A hundred percent. Well, I heard you say that the listener can take away is you were purposeful. You were intentional about conversation, about your system, about how, what steps you're taking them through so that you can build trust. And for you, building trust equals for them to not only let them in your home or let you in their home, but to go through their stuff, but then also then allow for a team to come in and feel comfortable. But it's the same trust that allows for people to do other projects or to send their crew over to finish the project or whatever. Do you have a certain like, you know step process that you follow in building trust or I mean you seem super just aware of the other person have you always been like that I'm just trying to pick up on a couple of nuggets here for the listener right so no I I have not always been so aware so a lot of that comes from experience like when you start dealing with people you start to see the repeating of certain types yeah. of fears and anxieties and behaviors as you're talking to them so That's right. um and, and we you know I I 
definitely, I, and I've also belonged just to put this out there. I belong to a national association of professional organizers. It's the national association of productivity and organizing specialists, which is a mouthful. Yeah, um, wow. that's, a, that's a national and actually international organization. And, you know, and so sh- in sharing and, and, you know, networking with other organizers, you do, you do learn a lot. So we do yeah. kind of learn from each other and from those experiences. So yeah. from my own experience and then talking to other people and, 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 you know, attending seminars and conferences and stuff, we sort of start to learn different tactics to use and how to approach. And in the beginning, I would just come in, not like gangbusters, but like you called me for the service, like, let's get this done. And then you start to realize yeah. how how hard it was for someone to make the pipeline is is so long for people who are really struggling with organizing because they yeah. will actually like maybe look at your website and then maybe call you, but then will not, it'll take like maybe six months. I mean, I've had people call me wow. six months to a year out to say like, okay, I'm finally ready. Wow. It's crazy. So you have to have a lot of patience with people, you know, the follow-up and stuff. And then you have to kind of know that, especially those clients that are like, the the strength and and the 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 resilience to call you it was such a big deal for them that was such a big thing to overcome and so you have to know when you walk in there that you have to walk in slow like come in slow and and you know and and one of the things that I learned from that was I used to come in and do this consultation like a free consult and I'd walk in and I'd be like you know we could do this and we could do that we could do this and we could do that and then overwhelm 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 right (laughs) you know, that talking about it, the thinking about it and talking about it was so terrifying. And so then I realized, and then I would, and they'd set up the appointment and it's so nice to meet you. And then two days later, they're calling to cancel and because it was too much talking. And so then I changed my model. I changed the approach. And so the first session is a consult, but it's built into, we're actually going to organize the first day from from, right out of the gate. We're going to do it. Not a, not something crazy. I'm not going to take all the clothes out of your closet and be like, okay, I'll see you next week. Pick a cabinet, a closet, something very small, something manageable. And then we're going to do it together so that you can get to know me a little bit and build that trust. So you can see what the process is and understand that it's not as terrifying as you've, you, you've built it up in your mind. And then, and then we're going to, and then if you're good with this, we're going to repeat it. And if you're not good with it, then, you know, I'm going to leave you with a work plan and you can try to tackle it on your own. Maybe you try with another organizer. That's totally fine, but I want to at least give you a step in. And so then that, that whole change in my approach has created a hundred percent success because once people organize for that few hours, they're like, I can do this. Um, this is not as bad as I thought it was. And so I realized that the doing, the doing is where you get the satisfaction, the talking too much talking for this, for this talking is great, but too much talking for this is not good. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I love the action, but you were very strategic even about the action. It was a slow walk-in. It was a patient approach, but even in that doing it was, we're going to do this one little cabinet. I think all of those things are obviously super specific to organizing, but the takeaway for the listener is pay attention to your client. You right. said, which they're going to experience the same thing. There's going to be three, four, five, maybe 10 fears or objections or things that are holding back from doing business with you. And you need to write those things down, the ones that you're hearing over and over and over again. And you need to, just like Tina just said, you need, you need to adjust and, and change or grow in yourself as well as in your process so that 
you can deliver the result that that you're looking for and they're looking for. I love what you just did was as far as like removing the thinking and the overwhelm, because that's all that they've been doing for the last six to 12 months is thinking and overwhelming themselves about it. And it's time to get it done while you're there. It's taking advantage of that moment in a good way because you're giving them or you're delivering them to them what they actually need, which is the end result, the satisfaction, the seeing of like, okay, I can do this. All of those things that you're delivering but you weren't before. And so you had to figure that out. I think that that's just a huge takeaway for the listener. I want to know practically, we're kind of keeping the same vein here inside the business of a good decision that you made maybe early on, maybe in the last year, but that the listener can take away something specific that you can look back and go, yes, that decision, that one thing right there, I'd do that over and over again. The systematizing the the process of having of onboarding people and utilizing an agreement yeah. to set expectations. You'd yeah. be surprised how many people in my industry don't have a written agreement with people, which is super dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to someone's house. But yeah, that like, you know, just systematizing that so that, you know, we do a phone consult, the pro, you know, the pro, making the process real repeatable, obviously, right? So with a phone consult and then the follow-up with the email and the agreement. And the agreement is like written, it's really written in plain language. I really wrote it with the idea of like even making someone laugh a little bit. There's like some humor in my agreement, but the, and the idea is like, you know, what you have to do to prepare nothing, you know, and then it just walks through like the process itself and the pricing yeah. and, you know, any other caveats. And then yeah. that person, I'm like, you don't have to do anything with this. I just want you to see it. I will bring a hard copy with me when we meet. And then, you know, and then yeah. they, and then we sit down with it and they ask any questions and it stipulates that they allow me to take photography, which a lot of people are not comfortable with. And I'm totally okay with, but we talk about that a little bit because I do encourage people to do it for themselves. So, so then, so, and, and I was really bad about when to introduce this agreement and then when yeah. to, and, and people would, sometimes I walk into someone's house and they attack, not attack you, but they, they want you to start immediately. They want to walk around immediately. And it, I, I always, I have it like on top of my clipboard. It's like, you have to, and I, you know, right I tell the people who I work with, like yeah. first sit down, take the five to 10 minutes to go through this. It's going to be a much better outcome. And yeah. that was something that I really had to force myself to do. Cause it's so easy to yeah. like, be like, okay, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this at the, at the end, or we'll talk about, it. no, you have, yeah. it has to, this process has to be a certain way. And there's a good reason for that. And the outcomes are better. So like having a system and then like really sticking to it and making it habitual because yep. you know that it's going to produce a better result. Yeah, guys and ladies who are listening, I, I hope that you're paying close attention because Tina is teaching you sales process. And and this whole entire thing, if you want to use the word sales or system, whatever, like it's not a bad word. She's taking her people through a process that leads them to good expectations, good communication, a little bit of humor. All of that just makes it super real and actually even fun for her clients, because again, she's done this over and over and over again, and she knows how to put them in the right, like the right step at the right time to make them feel the the absolute best about their scenario. And the first step you just described agreement, whether it's a phone call, whether it's in person, it doesn't really matter. It's setting proper expectations, letting the other person know what it's going to look like. I did the same thing with you a few minutes ago for this podcast. It was, Hey, let me give you some permission points. Let me, let me tell you how this thing's going to go. And all of that, what it does is it connects people and it also allows for both people to understand where we're going. And so that way there's no questions. If we feel good, we can go together this way because we both, at least for the most part, understand what's about to happen. And I just love how you made it habitual. You love it as a discipline. 
put it on top of the clipboard. That's habit stacking, you know, <laughs> all sorts of very, very good disciplines that, that Tina's given to you guys. I just really, really appreciate the practicality there. I want to flip the coin. Tell us about a bad decision. Well, uh, to the same effect, when I've decided not to bring the agreement in, doing a, a you know, a, a job as a favor for somebody and, and then, you know, not really setting the expectation because it's sort of a little bit more casual, Sure. engaging casual really <laughs> that sounds terrible engaging casual relationships but like, <laughs> the business and then not really sticking to the format yeah. I also you know in the same in the same vein I have friends who initially wouldn't hire my you know use my business because I think they were a little intimidated and now I think people like some of my friends are coming out of the woodwork like okay I'm finally ready I'm not as embarrassed I think it's going to be okay yeah. Yeah. and then not treating those as 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 business situations, because right. actually what happens is they feel like maybe they're not getting, because you're not treating them like a proper client. Maybe they're not getting the, yeah. the, the treatment that they might want. Yeah. And also like an awkward sense of guilt because maybe you've done something for them and, and they don't feel like you, they've compensated. So really just following the same process, yeah. um, even with people that you know, and just making it, making them feel like they're getting the full experience. And I think that they value that. You think you're doing them a favor by not doing that. And actually you're doing them a disservice. So if they've, wow. if they've reached out to you to hire you for this service that you're providing, yeah. and they know that this is your business, then, then treat them like a client, you know, even yeah. if you think that that's like not nice, you know, right. but I think, it, I think it sets expectations better for everybody involved. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think that that's a huge takeaway. And we all, we've all we all made this mistake. Yes, we have all made this mistake. And we could probably share stories around the campfire all day. But I can tell you the times, even with within my own mastermind group, I've got a couple of buddies that I've known for a long, long time. And I did this exact same thing that you just described. Agreement, everything's in place. You know, as far as expectations, pricing's the same. I mean, everything's the same. And, and actually, because of that, I feel like they, they take it to another level. It's like they're, we're buddies, but they, they see me as a, you know, a person that they're doing business with. And so because of that, I get things like, Hey, I'd love to get on a call with you. If that's okay, I don't want to take advantage of our friendship. Right. And so it, which is like a whole nother level of like respect. And you're like, wow, okay, this is, of course, I'd love to get on a phone call with you, buddy. You know, like that there's no big deal here, but now it becomes a choice and not an expectation or taking advantage of anything. It's just clear what it is, what it isn't. And then anything over and above can actually be the friendship. I do this with even in, in my in my family. I have some family in some of my businesses that run some of my either properties or or involved in some of my businesses and expect good expectations there. It's like, no, like we have a business meeting <laughs> here on Thursdays or whatever. And, and we go through business stuff and we try to, you know, like we can talk personal a little bit, but we take this, this moment here and all of the week stuff from business stays in this conversation. So that way the rest of the week, we can be family, friends, you know, whatever. It's just setting these lines and boundaries. Would you say anything addition to that? I mean, we've talked about your agreement a little bit, but I've kind of taken it a little bit outside of the gray. You want to say anything else to this on this, on this topic? No, I just feel like as from a personal standpoint, as a, as a, as a mom who, who started her own business, I still struggle with, I have people who still think, I mean, I'm insanely busy. Like I sometimes work seven days a week, you know, and I'm out there with my business and I'm like, I still have people who circle around and are like, Oh, are you still do? Are you still doing that? You know, like <laughs> you still have that hobby. 
And I'm like, yeah, actually I do. And it's going really well. It's actually a business that I run, you know, and it's so funny that it's, it's like, you still have, you still have that a little bit. So that's why for me, it's even more important to, to be like business-like when I have those kinds of conversations, because I still, you know, it's hard sometimes when you, you're trying something, you you try something out and you're growing it and growing and growing it. And maybe people outside of your sphere who are not on social media, maybe, or who are not, you know, they just don't know what's going on. And, uh, and then they're like, oh, is that still a thing? And you're like, oh, it's a thing. And so it's, it's important for me to really be like, I am a businesswoman and I, this, I, I do have a business. This is not a hobby. And Right. You know, um, this is, this is serious. And yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a mompreneur who just like, I'm just working in projects inside, outside of nap time. Um, yeah, and, and, and that's, and that's, and that's a great thing too, that people oh, 100%. I love that. I love that, that, that can be, a, that can also be a possibility for people that, yes. uh, and that's, what's awesome about, you know, being an entrepreneur in some ways, like my business grew organically as my, as literally my children grew up and like yeah. time availed itself it then it was like and and that's when you realize like i i want this like i when my when my kids are not here i do want to be doing this because this is bringing me great satisfaction yeah i, I love that you made that distinction i'm, I'm glad that you did that because i i definitely don't want to portray that that the uh, that the side hustle for moms dads whoever i mean i think we've both been in that stage as well and <clears throat> and i think that uh, especially for for moms my my mom growing up single mom family she didn't have any side hustle businesses but she had two and three jobs all the time and and uh, i have no idea how she did it so my my hat is off to those moms specifically but um i love the i love the the going back to the original point here of the friends i want to encourage the listener here is really what i want to do because i'm i'm guarantee you they've gotten the same thing where it's like the friends of the family, you know, especially Thanksgiving, we just got done with Thanksgiving this past week. And it's like, Hey, how's that thing? <laughs> it's like, keep your head up. They don't know. They don't really need to know either. You know, like if you're going to interact with them in business, fine, you know, treat them like a business a client. Like you said, I love that perspective, but there's, I think in our earlier years, ego fits in and we like, you know, we have to kind of like beat our chest and, you know, talk about all the, the great things. But the reality of it is, is that close friends and family, a lot of times just aren't going to get it because they themselves aren't entrepreneurs. And that's why we seek out podcasts like this or mastermind groups or, you know, professional organizing international groups to be a part of and, and stuff like that, because they're people like us and yeah. and the people who are we're talking about just aren't. That's why they ask us about your thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and along the same lines from a, from a business point of view, one of the things that happens, I think too, is that sometimes I think you, you, because you're, especially when you're growing, you question, and I think women entrepreneurs suffer from this a lot in that they undervalue themselves. This is like a big problem. I mean, in general, in the workplace, I think this happens, you have these disparities, but like, you're afraid to ask what you think you're worth, you know, when you're setting pricing, et cetera. And so, and I think it comes back to that a little bit, like, you you know, a little bit of doubting yourself, like, is this, you know, am I, am I legitimate enough that I can, you know, charge these rates or whatever. And my first, I mean, my first client, my first client has passed away and I have two family members from his family that are my clients. So it's, I've been in business almost 10 years. So they've been with me for a long time, but he was my very first client. And and I was so excited (laughs) to have a customer that I really like, I was charging like nothing. And my husband was like, like, are you you covering the cost of the babysitter or the transportation? Like, what are we? But I was like, so (laughs) 
excited to get someone to say yes to this prospect that I like, didn't, you know, I'm like, okay, I don't want to scare them away by charging them too much. And then, and you learn super quickly, like that you cannot function that way. And that you have to say like, well, this is, you know, you've got to do your research, but also say like, I'm, this is what my services cost and not back down, you know, when, because, and you just got to find your right, the right customers that are, that, you know, understand and value what you do and, you know, not trying to gouge people, but like trying to be fair and, and get compensated for the work that you do. Yeah. You said it earlier when I asked about, you know, connecting with the right ones. And you said, basically, you just have to find the right projects, you know, that allow you to either bring in the team or whatever. In this case, we're talking about pricing, like it, it all fits into the same kind of mindset of this is who I service right here. And then staying in that lane for the most part, like there's going to be kind of like this right outside the wake on both sides, the gray, if you will, but Generally speaking, it sounds like you've got this lane of people and they can afford your service. They appreciate your service. It allows you to really hone in on that, those fears that that specific group of people have. And uh, it allows you to provide that much better of a service, which then they're willing to pay more for. It's a better experience for them. It's how you create raving fans is what we talk about sometimes here is just that, you know, how do you get, how do you get people to pay you more and be happy about it? Well, you dial in your process and you, and you, you over deliver and you can't over deliver if you service just anybody and everybody and you're under, under pricing yourself, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. you won't do it for very long at least. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. You won't be in business for very long. What I have to ask this question. Sometimes I skip it, but you, you are an organizing mind. And so every one of my process and system questions, I have to ask you, it just feels natural that you would give us an answer on around these things, but Regarding decisions, because that's kind of what we've been talking about, good and bad decisions, what process or system now do you follow that you stay organized with around thinking about decisions? Something comes to your desk today, you got to make a decision. Is there a four-step process that you follow or what does that look like for you? I put it on my to-do list. (laughs) If it's like a piece, you know, if it's something like a piece of paper, let's say that has to be processed, like I I put it on my my to-do list and I schedule time to address like those types of, of decisions that have to be made or purchases that have to be made, whatever that is. I, and I tell my clients that all the time, you know, like don't, you, you can't have a, you can't have a pile that's not reconcilable. Some that's not cross-checked. It's not indexed anywhere. A, Mm. A big scary pile of, of decisions, papers, bills, whatever those things are, it should, it should be accounted for somewhere. That's how I approach it. So you know, you should have a list and then you should schedule time to address the things on that list. Having a list is great, but if you have no time built into your day to address those items and make, you know, administrative time, buy-in time, et cetera, you have to, you have to schedule it and then eventually become habitual, but you have to put it on the calendar. Yeah. What about in that decision time frame? Like you've got your calendar, the thing pops up, you grab your list and your stack. (laughs) Are, are there big decisions, small decisions? Are they all together? Do you just kind of go down the list? Do you prioritize? I, I don't normally go this deep, but I got to, I got to get into that organizing mind a little bit. I usually prioritize a little bit about like, like, chron- you know, a little chronological, like things go to the top of the list that are timely. Sure. So we, you know, we, we, I like make sure that if, if there is a timeline on it, there's a deadline written in if it's, and sometimes, sometimes, I mean, I like anyone else can get overwhelmed if there's like something big that I need to, you know, I want to change my cable provider. I you know, my internet is not great. I want to change my provider. And it's like, that's such a 
big thing. I got to research and I got to, and so sometimes I break down the task into like subtasks a little bit as well. And I'm like, okay, look, today I'm just going to call two places and make an appointment so I can yeah. get comparisons. And yep. then once I have that, then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back. And so sometimes yeah. I have to break the big, the big things down into smaller things in order for them, because I look at my day and I say like, I can't spend half the day researching right. the cable company. I gotta, I gotta move on. I have clients to see, or I have phone calls to make. So let's, let's break this down. Let's do a couple things towards the end game. And yeah. then we'll revisit this tomorrow or in two days or et cetera. I hope the listeners are paying close attention. You are dropping nothing but absolute gold right now. Do you use a software? Is it a paper list? What do you? I use hard list on my, on my phone. I have like a, I use the reminder. I'm real yeah. basic. I tried a few things. I use the, rem, I have reminders and then I, and I plug stuff into my phone calendar. I use a digital calendar because I share my calendar with the family so that they can yeah. see when I'm working and when I'm out of the house, et cetera. So we can yeah. sort of be efficient about organized. <laughs> we can be organized. It's just, too, it was, it's too hard. Like when you have, you know, a, a family moving in five different directions, I have three kids who go to three different schools. And wow. um, so it's just like running around. So everyone needs to sort of, I, I'm always like, look at the calendar. Don't talk right. to me until you look at the calendar, make sure like we have time to do that. Right. Um, so yeah. So then, and then I put in, you know, little personal like time in there as well to get things done. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I hope I, I I'm going to say it again, because I really hope the listener, if they're, if, if they're listening and not taking notes, I want them to pause, like literally hit the pause button right now, freaking get your notebook out and be taking notes because Tina is giving you the absolute practicality around getting stuff done. I love it. You're an executor. I want to go to our speed round here. I got a couple of questions coming from a different unique angle. We're going to talk KPIs in your business first. I want to know if you could only pick one thing to track what would it be? Repeat customers, I think, like repeat calls. Okay. Like the number of times that someone uses you? Yeah. Okay. And why that one? What is that? What does that KPI do for you to be able to, do you organize the rest of the business off of that? Or what, what, what's that do for you? I mean, the one and done is satisfying because I feel like sometimes that's all that someone needs, but to build value, the continuing value of the ma- the maintenance relationship is really important to me. And I, and I feel like that's when I can, as we talked about earlier, those are clients that like, I can then maybe send in another team member, you know, then it's like the relationship, those are relationships. So I think that for me would be the best thing to be tracking. I think that you just blew, I knew you just blew my mind. I know you just blew my mind, but I think you might've just blown all of the listeners' minds if they were paying close attention. Like I was, there's a maintenance portion to, to organizing. (laughs) Please help us understand this. What are you talking about? I mean, I think I can probably put some pieces together if I had to guess, but what is this? What are you talking about? So, yeah. So getting yourself organized, well, I'll take a step back. So the first question I get from a lot of people is, oh, what? like your home must be, it must be immaculate. It must be amazing. And the truth is that I live with four other people who don't always cooperate with what I'm trying to go for. I love that word. So I have systems set up that at any moment I can say, you know, everything has a place to go, whether or not it's living there in the moment is a different question, right? So, you know, everything has a home and the house can be organized when I, when push comes to shove. Um, But if you walk into my house at any given time, that's not necessarily what you're going to say. Yeah. I'll just say that. Let's be real. We have, we have families. You're living there. (laughs) Right. And I live here. Right. So along the same lines, I, you know, so organizing is like setting up those systems 
but sometimes there are individuals who like, they can't keep it up on their own. Organizing is part organizing and then part managing time ma- is time management because the truth is you can set up an awesome system for someone for their correspondence for their incoming mail you right. know this is a big ticket item that like people are always struggling with like the mail the mail the mail my papers the mail and then, and it's like you can get the whole thing under control you can file everything away set up amazing systems for them to show them what to do but if you're not allotting time on a regular basis right. you're going to end up back where you started again you know yeah. like you're going to fail like you need that we have to build in something into your schedule where you're going to take the mail, you're going to sort it out, organize it and, you know, put it, whatever system we have in place for you, implement that. Right. Yeah. So sometimes people can do that on their own. Once you set that up and you tell them what to do and you tell them once a week, once a day, whatever it is, you're going to have to deal with this. Some people can do it. And a lot of people, they need someone to come in and do it with them. Yeah. Uh, they just need to stay. And sometimes that's a once a week. I have a once a week. I have once a month. I have people quarterly who I meet with and just make sure like we kind of get, get them back on track. Um, they like that kind of touch base time. And, and sometimes there are new things that have popped up that are bothering them that they want to deal with. But a lot of times yeah. it's just like, let's, you know, baseline, like, where are we at? How, how are things working out? And not every system is perfect. The first time you develop it, you talk to somebody, you give them a great solution. They, yeah. they think it's a great solution. It meets the needs. Some people, need things to be vertical. Some people need them to be horizontal. Some people need to see everything. Some people don't want to see anything. So you have to really tailor it. But then sometimes it, the practical nature of using it, it doesn't yeah. work. And right. so sometimes the maintenance is coming back and tweaking. Why didn't this work? Let's, let's talk about it a little bit and figure out what's happening so we can make it right for you. Yeah, I, I I purposefully asked that question for two reasons. Number one, if any of your clients are listening or any of the people that are listening are in your area who are planning on hiring you, I want them to know the benefit of not only just setting up the system, but then maintaining the system. And I think that they should, if they have already hired you to organize, they should hire you to keep it going because that's how you win. You just described that. For everybody else listening, this is how you win in business. I promise you, okay? Because it is not just about the initial goal or the system, or the whatever. It is about that piece. Yes, you have to have that, right? You have to set up the initial person, or the system, or whatever, whatever this is that we're doing. But there also has to be the management of, or keeping people accountable, or making sure the system is working, or the the constant tweaks of, is it working right, or can it be better, or making it efficient? Like, there's the initial, and then there's the maintenance, there's the ongoing. And so, Tina, whether you realize it or not, you are literally telling people how to run their business, run their life, and that's how that's just where we're gonna call this podcast. Freaking organize your life and business with Tina. <laughs> so I, I I just so appreciate you just helping your people do that naturally. And then obviously now you're helping entrepreneurs through your own language be able to do the exact same thing in their business. It is literally how they stay ahead. If they're not organizing it originally, if they're not maintaining it, putting it on their calendar, tweaking the system, all of those things, their business will not thrive. I promise you. And eventually what happens is you have to have somebody else come in and, and do these things. It's not just about the entrepreneur doing it. It's about a team of people doing it. And that's a whole nother thing. But then they then have to follow this exact same process. You've been incredible. Okay, one more question. Actually, two more. Okay. What do you think about a book recommendation for entrepreneurs who are trying to grow their business or maybe a resource? I, I will go resource on that. I will tell you when I was starting out, I started with, reading a t- you know tons of articles i mean there's so much information out there right but i started with the yeah. small business administration wow. um 
you know, so they, this is a government agency who's, who's trying to help promote entrepreneurship and then they'll direct you to local offices. Yep. SBDC, right? Exactly. So, you know, the, the small business development councils, corporations, I can't remember. And so they're, you know, they're all over. I, I I luckily again, live in an area where like I have access to multiple ones and, um, and the one that I ended up at, which was the QEDC, which is one based in Queens, part okay. of New York City, the Queens Economic Development Council. And I went there and they have so many programs available. Yeah. I mean, including just networking events, yep. just to meet other people who are starting out, business plan seminars, you know, all that stuff. Like they just have, and all these agencies have so much information to offer. So yeah. a great resource in just terms of like, the mentoring they'll set you up with someone who will walk you whatever you need help with they'll be like let me help you do that so they're incredible in that regard i even got my logo through a through a program i qualified for something called the marketing accelerator program where i applied and i was partnered with a graphic design student from queens college and and that student's professor we had three sit downs where they met with me and interviewed me about my business the student then developed graphic designs based on our conversation, which yeah. I went through approved. And then we met one last time where everything was delivered and we had like kind of a closing that student got credit for the work that was done. And, and I got my, my logo, which I love, and I'm so happy with. So um, awesome. just think about like the, that cost, what that can cost a small business to, yeah. to, you know, to do logos and and develop all that. So that was amazing for me. So I think that the SBA, the SBDC, and then like those local offices, they they really offer so much to people. So there's so many opportunities for growth. And, you know, if you're, even if you're coming from like, I don't even, I have an idea for a business from there right. to, I have a business, how can I make it better? Yeah. It's, it's, it's tremendous support. I love that. You're hundred percent right. I've used many of those resources myself. And I think a lot of people forget about it, but pretty easy to get plugged into that as long as you're looking for it in the right place. And so those are great recommendations. I got one last question here for you, Tina. If you could whisper in the younger Tina's ear, what would you say? Hmm, good question. It's a tricky question because I, I think about this all the time that I wish I had started my business earlier. Like I wish I had known, but but the journey that I went on to get here, it's how I got here. You know, like the, the, yeah. the career that I selected is what brought me to this one. So I can't deny that connection. I wish I had started earlier. So maybe I wish I had whispered, you know, or organize, organize more. I don't know, yeah. but I, yeah. it, I, I, the process was the process that it took. You know, I went to a conference right. as a writer and an organizer was speaking at that conference and that's yeah. how it happened. Exactly. But it's, so I know that being a writer led me here, but yeah. So no regrets. What, what do you think that you would have, why would you have wanted to start earlier? Just for the physical, the physical energy, I guess, you know, like that part of it. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, I kind of want, I, I like, I, I know everything that I want to do right now. And I just like, I want more time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like your dream's gotten bigger. Yes. Yes. That's incredible. Tina, you have been just wonderful here today. You've given so much value. I I don't just often say pause and re-listen re and, and take notes. We have a lot of incredible guests, but you have given very, very practical tidbits here today that, that listeners can actually go grow their business with. And so I just want to thank you for that on behalf of the listeners, as well as even myself. I really enjoyed this. How can the listener find you? Whether they're in your area and they need to hire you, or maybe they just want to reach out as an entrepreneur, pick your brain, see how they can get themselves organized. 
Well, I'll, first of all, I'll be happy to speak to anybody about their, if they reach out to me and say, you know, I, I heard you on Gathering the Kings, like, I would be very happy to talk to anybody about my business and, and what they have going on. So I definitely invite people to reach out. My website is www.stowandbehold, that's spelled out A-N-D, stowandbehold.com. And, and I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram and uh, LinkedIn. I encourage people to be on LinkedIn for sure as business owners. So I, I hope people will do that and reach out to me that way as well. Yeah, I love that. Love the name also. I meant to bring that up earlier, but love the name and just the the feeling that that, that almost like a dot dot that it leaves the the emotional attachment to those things maybe. But again, Tina, you've been incredible. Thank you for being here. Blessings on your family and the different directions that your family is going right now. And of course, your business. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight, and nine-figure business owners, is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.